As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. If you know, then you know it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working Al Willie Fuel has partnered with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to offer you, the racer, 20% off when you use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, at checkout. Now, Wild Willie Fuel is the industry-leading manufacturer of professional fuel scent and top loop. They have over 60 unique fuel scents. Wild Willie has just the products you need to set yourself apart from the competition. Everybody wants that good smell. They got from the industry's number one selling scent, ex-girlfriend, <laughs> how cool is that, to the brand new fragrance, Fruit Loops. Love me some Fruit Loops. You are sure to find something that fits your personality. Over 60 unique scents. Surely you'll find something in there. Now, Wild Willie fuel fragrances can be used in race gas, methanol, ethanol, diesel, or pump gas. You can put it in all different kinds of fuels. Their scents are compatible with carburetors, fuel injectors, O2 sensors, and catalytic converters. So stop by and check them out at www.wildwillyfuel.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LUKE, L-U-K-E, to save 20% today. All right, guys. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cuffing season like no other. Now, you got to be ready to take the leap and Go into fall with our great friends at Manscaped. You can join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping by just simply using the promo code JED. That's J-E-D, and it gets you 20% off with free shipping. Now, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. 
Everybody needs a weed whacker. You get to chop your worst weeds up <laughs> in the top of your nose and your ear. Now, I've got the weed whacker and it works. So that whole chopping things up and putting it in your ear and your nose sounds scary. Don't let it worry you whatsoever. The nose and ear trimmer uses 9,000 RPMs of motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system to provide proprietary skin-safe technology. It's very safe. You're not going to hurt yourself. It's turning a lot of RPMs. It's chopping. You'll never know what's going on, and you'll come out fresh. This technology helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate areas. So seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. These things are really nice and cool. The crop preserver. I think you understand what I'm saying when I say the crop. It's the area in your junkyard, if you know what I mean. They got deodorant for that. Now, everyone knows pumpkin spice, lattes, and, and junk deodorant go hand in hand. So you're going to love that scent. And your partner is too. Then after trimming the pumpkin patch and whacking the leaves, give your boys a boost and use Crop Reviver. So you can not only preserve it, you can revive it. It doesn't get any better than that. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code JED, that's J-E-D at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping by using promo code JED at manscaped.com. Make your boys a priority this fall. Get those pants pumpkins trimmed up nicely. Choose Manscaped. Your pants pumpkins will thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss adult film stars, Olympic athletes, and sportsman drag racers. I am solo this week. Big Jed is in Bristol preparing for the... Labor Day 250K that he co-promotes with longtime partner, Steve Stites. Uh, some of you listening may be on your way to, or by the time that this hits, competing at Bristol. So best of luck to you. Um, if you are a regular listener to the show, you also know that Jed and his wife, Jenny, were uh, expecting. It's been a rough week for the Pennington family. Uh, if you follow Jed on social media, um, you know that um, they had a miscarriage late last week. Um, I don't think that Jed would, would mind me bringing that up here on the show. Uh, needless to say, difficult time um, for Jed, difficult time for his family. And so I just, I, I just wanted to encourage you, the listeners, because I know that Jed has a ton of support within this community, within the racing community as a whole. Um, it's a lot of love for Big Jed, and rightfully so. He's a deserving, deserving man, deserving, deserving family. Um, in whatever manner you wish to express that love, whether it is a Facebook post, whether it is a hug, if you are uh, in Bristol, 
uh, a text message, a prayer, however it is that you can send some positive vibes to our friend and his family. Um, I can just speak from um, a similar experience. Like there is, there's no time that uh, positive vibes are more needed. So Jed, I know that uh, you don't typically listen to these when you're, when you're not a part of them. Perhaps we'll discuss this on a future episode, but um, I just wanted to let you know um, how much you love, man, and, uh, and how much we're thinking about you and um, you know, how, how, how much we all hate that, to see you go through this situation. So with that said, um, I do have a, a, a fun show on tap for today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, Kevin McKenna and I will break down the Jags All-Stars, which by the time that you listen to this, depending on when you listen to this, it will be happening. Like they, they will be in competition at Indy, or perhaps if you're listening later in the weekend, you'll already know who won, which will make listening to Kevin and I even more comical because we try in a, in a very spirited way. I enjoy, I love having Kevin on the show. Um, in a very spirited way, we broke down the All-Stars competition. We made our picks. Uh, I, I, I encouraged Kevin to go full on uh, tricky tipster, Vegas odds, give me the favorite. And then uh, we both uh, proceeded to nine times out of 10, pick someone that we didn't label as the favorite to win. Um, so we had a lot of fun with that. Um, you'll enjoy listening to that. And then following that conversation with Kevin McKenna, I had Ashley Thompson come on to break down where we're at in the thisisbracketracing.com driver series. As the season begins to wind down, a couple of the 20 plus tracks involved in this year's series have finished their points earning seasons already. The majority have one, two, perhaps three, I think one or two tracks still have four events at which racers can still earn points, but we're coming down to the wire. The points chase is beginning to shape up uh, one driver in both uh, the top bulb category and the bottom bulb category will take home $10,000 of our money. Plus we're uh, awarding everyone in the top 10 and it's getting really interesting. Um, there are some favorites that have emerged. It's far from over in both classes. Like I say, Ashley will join me uh, at the end of the show to break down the possibilities and the potential scenarios moving forward. Before we get to that, I just wanted to briefly touch base next week when, when Jed and I are on, we may very well um, go back and revisit some of the happenings of last week, but I know between Indy, uh, the big go, and uh, the Labor Day 250K, we're gonna have a lot to talk about next week and I didn't want this to get lost in the shuffle some some big occurrences some big happenings uh last week i think most notably from the summer fling at columbus jeff sarah i mean <laughs> what can you say we when we recorded last week um jed and i were able to recap the first two days of, of competition since then yeah jeff sarah's big day on friday night this is the first time in the history of fling events, which now spans over a decade and multiple venues, uh, in many cases, multiple events each season. First time in fling event history that a driver has run himself in the final round. Not only did Jeff Sarah do that, and think about how unique that is to fling events. Like, there, I, to my knowledge, there's never been a fling event where you could double same car, same driver. So the amount of double entries 
to begin with are much smaller than some of the other big dollar races today. And let's face it, like I think most of us would agree, like it's harder to drive two different cars and advance that far. Like not to take anything away from someone that's that's double entered, same car, same driver on the sales and final, but it's unprecedented, right? It had never happened before at a fling event. And it didn't happen at like the opening day fling event, you know, like the warm-up day. It happened at the main event of the weekend. It was $100,000 to win. And Jeff Sarah not only takes that check, he takes the second place check as well, ran himself in the final. And it just, it's like putting the exclamation point on what the last calendar year for Jeff Sarah that obviously includes his mammoth um, win at last year's Great American Guaranteed Million at Memphis. We, we had him on the show over the winter to discuss how that day went and, and how I said to, to him on that show and, and would repeat that while a lot of things fell into place for him at that event, he is one of a handful of racers with the skill set to make happen what happened there, right? Like he was in a, given the circumstances, like an almost uncompetitive car and yet wins the biggest race in the country, right? And that sets the stage for what has happened since. And Jeff Sarah has basically been red hot ever since. Winter series last season down in Florida, multiple wins at Immokalee. This season, uh, multiple wins, uh, most notably at Virginia, and then had this stretch that we talked about um, just a couple of weeks ago between the Triple Threat Series in Virginia and the Spring Fling Galat, in which he basically ran the table more or less for like three straight days against the best competition in the world. And that's what he was up against at the fling, the best competition in the world on the biggest day of the event for one of the richest purses of the season. And not only does he emerge victorious, he's got both cars in the final. It's incredible. Like, what more can you say about what Jeff Sarah has done? Um, other notable accomplishments from the weekend. I'll, I'll switch back and forth a little bit. Uh, the, the Division Three uh, NHRA Lucas Oil Series event at Bowling Green that traditionally precedes the big go at Indianapolis. It's one of the more well-attended divisional events of the season. Big E, Edmund Richardson, as I'll say, Big E is still the king. Big E, uh, another friend of the podcast, he's been on the show before. If you missed that episode, it's been years ago. It's worth searching. Like it's one of my favorite interviews on the show to this point. But Big E debuts a brand new, beautiful um, first-generation Camaro Roadster in Supergas, drives it to the winner's circle. Biggie is still the king. Um, I, I assume that was more or less a test session for Indy, but oh, by the way, test session results in a Wally. I thought that that was notable for one Edmund Richardson. Go back to Columbus. Um, we recorded last Thursday, so that was prior to Pete Dagnolo winning the 25 grander that uh, I believe was Thursday night's race uh, at Columbus that actually was completed uh, early Friday morning. And Dagnolo, hey, we've sung his praises here on the podcast throughout this season, having a tremendous year leading the NHRA World Championship chase in competition eliminator. Also uh, had previously won a big dollar bracket race in his Malibu, which is what he won in at the fling, uh, another 25 grander for Pete Tagnolo, adding to uh, another just, just incredible season, basically across the board, whatever he gets into. He's also won a national event super stock this year. Like Pete does it all um, in really impressive fashion. And there's something about 
National Trail Raceway that agrees with Pete Dagnolo. It's akin to what we're used to seeing from Austin Williams at Topeka, right? Pete Dagnolo at the JEGS Speed Week, which included the JEGS Sports Nationals, he ran the table in competition eliminator. He won both events at Columbus. He returns to the scene of the crime a month later, different car, different class, different event, and wins the 25 grander at the Spring Fling or Summer Fling. Uh, really impressive stuff from Pete Tagnolo and the other winner, uh, Saturday's winner from Columbus, uh, from Summer Fling Columbus, Josh Baker, who uh, no stranger to the winner's circle, particularly in that region, but really nationwide. Uh, Josh has been a, an incredible racer for a long time. Not only did he win, like if you look through that box score, just nasty. And I guess in a lot of ways, like that's what it takes to win an event like that. And to some extent, like that's what we expect out of Josh Baker, but dude is like low double O loaded on run after run after run after run after run. And my impression was that more or less he did that all weekend and was wrong place, wrong time until it finally came together on day number last. He leaves with the last $25,000 check of the weekend. So again, uh, fun show on tap. Kevin McKenna followed by Ashley Thompson. But first, PJ North. Early mornings, rolling down. I want to welcome back to the show, National Dragster's own Kevin McKenna. Kevin, thank you for taking some time out of the Big Go experience. You are... Boots on the ground at Indy. Uh, technically boots in the uh, media room, but yes, I am, <laughs> I am here. I, I do have probably the best view in the house. And uh, as you're going to hear here in another second, we're, we're up and running. We got race cars going down the track. The sun's out. Uh, it's basically Christmas morning. Yes, that it is. It, uh, as we record, it is Wednesday, opening day of the NHRA U.S. Nationals. Kevin, the, the purpose for being here is we're going we're gonna to dive into one of, if not the most prestigious, most standalone sportsman events on the NHRA schedule for the season. That is the Jags All-Stars. But before we get there, give me a little, uh, a little bit of the atmosphere, a little bit of the vibe. What, anything significantly different about Indy in 2021 than years past? Uh, well, I, I can tell you the weather is gorgeous right now. It's, uh, we woke up to about a 75 degree day and there's not a cloud in the sky. So the, that, that always makes for a happy pit area. And, you know, this year's Indy is a little bit different. You know, we're running on Sunday instead of Monday. Uh, the schedule is a little compressed. But um, that being said, it's still Indy. It's still the premier event. Um, and, and actually, if you want a little heads up, I, I'm being told... Uh, pretty confidently that we will be back to traditional Monday eliminations next year. Um, so, so hopefully this is just kind of a, uh, a temporary uh, feel, but uh, th that being said, it seems like people here are happy and uh, we're running cars on the track. So it's all good. All right. In the sportsman categories, eliminations are set to begin to get underway in several classes tomorrow. Uh, basically every sportsman category that we're used to, uh, to talking about here by Friday and then Friday afternoon kicks off the JEGS All-Stars competition. This will be year two of the All-Stars at Indy. Um, obviously, I, I guess in its infancy, I, I believe everything was at Columbus. And then for most recent history, uh, Joliet or Chicago. And then well, within the last two years, Indy, am I missing one? Yeah, well, actually, for a history lesson, it started in Bowling Green. Started in Bowling Green, okay. Uh, during the sports nationals for about two, three years. And... Uh, I believe it actually came here to Indy uh, in the, in the mid eighties for a year or two when uh, the sports nationals was moved here. Um, so it's, it's moved around a, a little bit. 
uh, yes, quite a few years in Columbus and then obviously Chicago and then now here. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if this is a permanent home for it. I, I would guess for a while. Um, but obviously you can't think of a more prestigious place to have it or a more prestigious event. So uh, to, to that end, it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, I was a little bit torn on it last year. Obviously, I, I've not been able to compete in the Jags All-Stars since it's been a part of the U.S. Nationals. But to your point, it's the biggest event on the schedule. It's Indy. Everybody wants to go to Indy to begin with. If you're in the All-Stars, like, what a, what a cool way to add in to the prestige and the allure of that trip. I, my, my personal take, just watching it, because again, not being involved last year, my fear was that while the All-Stars was happening and while it was going on on Friday, it was awesome. Like it did absolutely take center stage as it, as it should, right? Mm -hmm. My fear was that by the time we left there, Sunday night, Monday night, whatever the case may be, that the, the, everything that is indie became the storyline and like by the time that we left monday i almost forgot who won the all-stars you know what i mean sure, like sure. there's a part of me that liked it like at joliet i, I realized it was part of the national event as well but it felt like that was kind of the main attraction it was the main course at least for the sports and racers yeah no and, and that is an absolutely valid point i think that that stands true to this day um but then i think the flip side is by bringing cars from other divisions, you have an opportunity for some racers to come to Indy um, that otherwise might not come here. And, and I think we've got a handful of division six or division seven racers that have come east um, that have never run the US nationals before. So, so that, that element is kind of cool. And then I guess you also have the possibility that um, I can't imagine a, a more career defining weekend that if someone were happen to be fortunate enough to win the Jags All-Stars and then come back on Sunday or, or Monday in the future and win the U.S. Nationals, that would be, um, you know, pr pretty much the, uh, you know, the grand slam of drag racing, I would think. Yeah, I hadn't even really thought about it from that regard, but you're right. Like Indy is one of few, if not the only event on the tour, like no one's ever doubled at Indy. But to no, double no. Jags All-Stars and main event would almost be as or more impressive, more special. Yeah. Like that you're right. Nothing could, I don't think anything could top that. No, because I think most sportsman racers, if you had, you know, what is your bucket list items? They would say, I'd like to win obviously a world championship, but also I want to win the U S nationals. I want to win the big all-stars. If you knock two of those off in one weekend, uh, you've, you've already pretty much defined your career, regardless of what else you might've done to that point. No doubt. Definitely uh, two accomplishments that would be on any sports and racers, Mount Rushmore. I'm mm -hmm. probably putting you on the spot a little bit here, Kevin, because we didn't talk about this pre-show. Do you have or happen to have in front of you, like we're going on near 40 years of this, right? Do you know when the All-Stars began? Uh, 85. So 85. I, believe, I believe this is a uh, 37th annual. Wow. And yeah. bounced around from you said Bowling Green, Indy. Columbus, mm -hmm. Joliet, now back to Indy. And again, I don't, I don't, you're such a, a statistician. You, you may have this stuff on the top of your head. Like when I think historically about the All-Stars, I think of, I think Frank Manzo's got some ridiculous record. <laughs> he um, does. <laughs> but if we were to exclude the alcohol classes, I remember Rudy Matthews winning a bunch of these in Super Street. I think Edmonds had a really successful run in more recent years. It feels like Trevor Larson and Slate Cummings have kind of owned the, the All-Stars. <laughs> Uh, yes. Who else jumps out historically? Uh, let's see. I could probably cheat and open up a document on my computer, but I won't. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, do, I, I, I will try to do this from memory, even though it's not quite what it used to be. 
Uh, Frank Manzo does have 10 wins. It, it will probably be a long time, if ever, that anyone does that. Uh, I know Rudy Matthews, I believe, is five. Slate Cummings is five. Uh, you mentioned uh, Trevor Larson. Uh, he's still the only guy to double up at the All-Stars, uh, which is a, a pretty mean feat. Just to qualify in two classes is amazing. To actually, fit, to actually finish the job is, is really outstanding. Um, again, Slate Cummings also uh, really for, for about the last eight, ten years, he's kind of been a fixture here um, and, and won it a number of times. Uh, you know, it seems like I, I look at a guy like Mike Crutchfield, Division two seems to uh, sneak in here quite a bit. Um, yeah, it, it, it's um, it, it's kind of interesting. And, you know, the, the, the way the event is structured, uh, I actually like it that it's based on divisional points where it, it's not just you don't just take the top 10 from the previous year. Uh, a lot of divisions, you'll have a representative that might not be the division champion, might not be the world champion, possibly not even top 10, but they get a chance to participate in the All-Stars. So it's just nice to see a little bit of that variety. Yeah, to your point, the All-Stars points traditionally runs from basically mid-season to mid-season or the, the, mm -hmm. the launch of the All-Stars event. And it's always been heavily weighted toward home division events, right? So it wasn't yes. uh, necessarily beneficial to be on the road a bunch. Like it was more, hey, these are the... The, the seven guys that dominated their home divisions over the course of the last year. Plus, I always thought it was intriguing to add in the blocker, which is last year's champion, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, and go ahead. Th there was a discussion at one point, should you just invite the reigning world champion uh, to fill the ace spot? But uh, again, a lot of times the reigning world champion is already going to represent their home division. Um, so, so to me, the blocker is just kind of uh, you know, I, I like the idea that it's just an added bonus and an incentive to win this race to say, hey, I get to come back next year. Uh, you know, I can get travel money. I get a chance to win it again. Uh, I think that's really cool. And I think that's what, you know, fuels a guy like <laughs> like a Rudy Matthews where, you know, a guy who probably doesn't travel a lot. But, hey, you win the All-Stars, you can already pencil in your trip to wherever it's being held the following year. Yeah, I, th I think that's one of the coolest things about winning the All-Stars is that it, it punches your ticket for the following season, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. All right, so what I had in mind here, and I'll, I'll be honest, you, you said that you weren't pulling up any data. I am absolutely pulling up data. I've got your <laughs> column um, from, the, I think this posted yesterday on, on NHRA.com, uh, detailing the entire rosters for each category and for each team coming into the All-Stars. So my plan here, Kevin, was to go through this class by class. I'll read off the, the competitors in each category. And my challenge for you is to, one, go full Vegas odds slash tricky tipster on us and tell us who would be the, the on-paper favorite. And then the follow-up, we can each make picks here. We'll track this and see just how wrong we get it. But our, our personal pick to, to win each category. Okay. All right. We'll go down the list. I want to get to every category. we got to start somewhere. Let's start in competition eliminators. So we've got Division One representative, Red Hot, Pete Dagnolo. 
David Eaton represents Division Two. Ronnie Bond is the Division Three rep. Former world champion Craig Bourgeois represents Division Four. Doug Engels, Ralph Van Poppingham, Joe Mozaris, who have all been red hot in their own ways, representing Divisions Five, Six, and Seven. And last year's champion Chase Williams as the blocker. Kevin, who is the Vegas favorite among that star-studded group? You know, you you got to look right from the top of the list. Pete Dignolo. Um, a really good car, and uh, did he not just win a ten thousand dollar bracket race last week? No, so, he didn't. He won a twenty five thousand oh, dollar bracket race last the, week. The, 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 <laughs> there you go. Not, not, not that he needs any more credibility, but um, uh, it's really hard to go against a guy who comes in there on that kind of a hot streak, and you know just how good that car is. Uh, so I, I would think, um, you know, again, when you're dealing with eight really talented racers, the, the margin between first and eighth is probably not huge. But if you have to give an edge to somebody, uh, I think that's where it goes. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You're probably closer to this than I am. Comp has a unique spin in the All-Stars because there's no permanent index adjustment, right? Uh, I believe that's correct. So I, I know in the past, like the there were certain competitors who seemed to have a significant advantage because they could go super fast and had been kind of saving it all season, protecting their index, but mm-hmm. could let it all hang out at the all-stars. I know it seems like there was a year Bruno went like 80 on, you know what I mean? Yes. Something ridiculous. Yes. And I think Aragona had done something similar. I don't know looking at this field as, as we go to pick our individual favorites. And again, it could be one in the same, um, but I don't know that there's a car that stands out here is like, Oh, like that, just is if, if that driver doesn't screw up like they've got a 10th on the field i don't i don't think that's the case this season right no no you don't have uh, any of the i mean for lack of a better term some of the oddball combinations the turbocharged cars or uh some of the but most of the guys that are in here are are pretty straightforward uh you know looks like most of them are, are small block cars uh well david eaton would be a big block but um yeah it, it probably levels the playing field a little bit uh where you know, if, if every car in the field is naturally aspirated, uh, the weather change isn't going to afford a huge advantage to one combination over another. Uh, so, so that's, yeah, that's obviously something to look for as we get going on uh, Friday. All right. Who's your pick? Uh, I, Pete Dagnolo, um would, 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 I mean, it's kind of hard to go against the guy who's had uh, that kind of success. And, uh, uh, if you want me to give my, my backup or, or, or number two pick, uh, um, I can do that. I, I, you know, I look at what uh, uh, Joe Mozeris has done. I, I know he's not a guy that typically races or ever races on the East Coast, so maybe there's a little bit of an adjustment for the weather. But um, mm-hmm. obviously, he's having a heck of a year. Uh, that's a very good car, and uh, I, I'm sure he came here very prepared for this. All right, I will. That was. I, I'm inclined to lead Jake Dagnello's way as well, just because I have that much respect for his talent. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, basically to be contrarian and, and to put a little bit of drama here i'll go a different direction and i'll justify it by saying this obviously pete is driving a very competitive race car he's leading the world championship points right mm-hmm. it is not my impression that he's typically in the fastest car in the class to the index like i feel like pete dagnolo is as big a reason for his success as that race car and particularly in this setting when you don't have the permanent cic overhead I, mm-hmm. I I think it could I think it could well go elsewhere. And if I'm gonna pick anywhere else, I think I'll take division five rep Doug Ingalls. So lock me in with Ingalls. Done. 
All right, super stock. In the interest of being fair, do you now need to go first to uh, to, to, to keep oh, someone from cherry Vegas on you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> I'll let you give us the Vegas favorite, and then I'll pick first in super stock. And super stock, which I guess we should be accustomed to, it is, after all, the Jags All-Stars. And obviously, it goes without saying that every representative has earned their spot here and is very capable of winning. But when I look down the super stock field... This is loaded, Kevin. This yeah. is, yeah, is this is yeah, a is. We've got uh, <clears throat> former world champion Brian Warner. That's defending world champion Brian Warner, correct? Mm -hmm. correct. Division one rep. Corey Taylor represents division two, former world champion and potential uh, contender for this year's world champion ricky decker will represent division three jeffrey miller for division four justin jenkins is the d5 rep uh don't have clarity on the division six rep you may have a, an update on that uh, since this I, question. I, I don't believe there is one okay so no no division six rep in super stock brian brossart will represent division seven and kyle rizzoli as last year's champion will play blocker if Vegas laid odds here, this is difficult, but is, is Warner the favorite as the defending world champ? I would have to think uh, Warner and, and Rizzoli would probably be co-favorites. Um, and, and you might have someone like uh, Ricky Decker, just a shade behind them. Um, it's, you know, again, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here when you talk to talent and defense and uh, potential. And I think the three of those guys really are, you know, if you picked any one of them out of the office pool, you wouldn't be disappointed. No question. I'm going to go, this is a little bit of a Homer pick admittedly, but I don't think I could go wrong with it. I, I get to watch, we bracket race relatively often at, at Beach Bend and Bowling Green. So I will, and they have a stock super stock combo that Ricky Decker has dominated for several years now. I get to watch Ricky do his thing like more often than most. And so that's where, that's where I'm going to put my money. Ricky, Ricky Decker is my pick. Um, I, I like that because, uh, and again, you could probably speak to this. You know, he won here uh, only about a month ago at the divisional race. And, and I'm sure that that has got to be a huge confidence booster when you come back to a track that you just won at and, and, and have another shot to do it. Uh, you know, your data is all relevant. You probably have a lot of notes that are useful. Um, so, 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 yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. All right, so my pick is Ricky Decker. Are, are we going the same way? Or are you? you uh, no, I, I, I will not step on you. I, uh, <laughs> um, I, I think uh, Kyle Rizzoli's talent is, is comparable to anyone in the field. Uh, he is the defending event champ, so so I don't have any concerns as far as a West Coast guy coming east and maybe not understanding how to deal with the different weather conditions. So uh, I would go for the um, uh, the repeat winner uh, in Kyle Rizzoli. Yeah. Yeah, back-to-back -back winner at the All-Stars, if that were to come to fruition. Not only is, is Kyle coming off of a win at this event last year, I guess whatever he's getting at, he's also coming off a win last weekend at the divisional event in Montana. I believe that was in Superstock as well. Yes, yes. All right, so you, Kyle Rizzoli, myself, Ricky Decker, stock eliminator. We'll stay with the bottom bowl classes. Division one representative this season, Matt Lisa. Uh, mm -hmm. Division two will be represented by Jeff Harrington. Randy Lynn Ship, hot off her win at the Bowling Green Divisional event last weekend, will represent Division Three. Jam and Jerry Emmons, D4 rep. Scott Burton will represent Division Five. Derek Elam will represent Division Six. Steve Wan, Division Seven, and Slate Cummings, the aforementioned Slate Cummings, who has dominated this event in years past, uh, obviously comes in as the blocker as the reigning 
stock eliminator, Jake's All-Stars champ. Uh, where would the where would the Vegas smart money be here? Um, well, t- typically you would look at Slate Cummings' record and say that, but uh, my understanding is he is he has borrowed a car for this weekend. Uh, I assume that maybe his stuff is stuck down in Louisiana after the storm. Um, so he's probably driving something that's a little unfamiliar. Um, th- that still probably is not enough to, to um, knock him out of, of, of being one of the favorites. Um, then I also think, you know, you look at Jerry Emmons, who won the whole darn thing last year, uh, won the U.S. Nationals, comes back and uh, has a chance to uh, do that again as a, uh, the all-stars team, but, but I will also say this, I, I think this entire place would love to see a Steve Wan, Derek Elam final round uh, where you have a nine second, a stocker against a, a 1650 a W stock car. I think that would probably bring the house down. Sign me up. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's my take. So. All right. So uh, I believe in this snake draft, you're up first. Where are we going with this pick? Uh, I am going to go with, uh, I'll take Jerry Ammons. Okay. Solid. So that leaves me slate. Like that's, that's where you got a cherry picking right at the bottom of the tree there. Okay. I'm not going there. (laughs) I'm taking Derek Elam. Admittedly, this is a little bit of a, this is a sentimental pick. We have had a lot of fun with Derek Elam here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, because if you're not familiar, and Kevin, I know that you are, but our listeners may not be, Derek Elam's vehicle, Kevin mentioned it's going to be dialed in the 16 second range. It is not only a W stock automatic stocker, that's way down the alphabet. It is a Pinto station wagon W stock automatic stocker. And obviously... Mr. Elam has earned the right to be here. He has accumulated more points than anyone else in Division Six. And initially, my thought would be, oh, you know, but he's coming out east, like closer to sea level probably than he typically competes. And, you know, you got a, a five-day national event. You're going to have to to dial that thing from round to round. And then I looked at, I think his most recent national event was at Sonoma, Kevin. Mm-hmm. And... I think you and, and, and most sportsman racers on that side of the country would attest that outside of perhaps Denver, Sonoma might be the trickiest facility to dial at on the tour. Oh, for sure. In Derek Elam's three rounds at Sonoma, his dial-in accordingly swung over a tenth of a second, and he went dead on three times <laughs> at 16-something. Like... Granted, there are a lot of um, challenges to going that slow in, in any class, much less when you're competing against cars that are up to six, maybe seven seconds quicker. Uh, obviously, uh, like just simple physics would tell you that the faster car should have an advantage. Like there are less, there's less time for variables to affect it. Mm-hmm. Derek Elam has been doing this in a slow car for a long time, has a pretty good handle, obviously, on what these things do. And let's flip it. Like, it's easy to say, oh, man, you know, he's getting chased down by 60 miles an hour in some cases. Like, that's a that's a tough spot to be. How difficult is it on the other end? Like, I can just speak from experience. If my car makes one bad run leading up to a confrontation with Derek Elam that I'm chasing by 50 plus mile an hour. I'm not mm-hmm. comfortable because it's not like, hey, you're in stock eliminator. You're going to have to wait that long on the tree. You're going to have to think about like when to time going on the two-step. Like there's just a ton of variables that you don't normally have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then B, 
you can't like Elon makes too good a run to just say, okay, well, I'm gonna dial down three from what I think I can go. That way I don't go under. I'm just gonna make a decent run. You can't give this dude one hundredth, much less three. Yeah. Like I I granted I'm I'm making the pick for the story more than anything. But how awesome a story would it be if a W stock automatic car won the Jax All Stars? It, it wouldn't, and, and he's like, uh, I mean, he's like Jody Lang light, right? Like, like yes, he's, he's taking a page right out of that playbook of how to race, how to bracket race a, a slow car, and both of those guys proved it can be done. Yes, it's a chore to do it, but if you put in the time uh, to make your car right and the time to, to collect data. Uh, I, I don't feel like that's as risky a pick as, as you're making it because obviously he hits the tree well, he knows his car well, and uh, seems seems to race with, with no fear whatsoever of, uh, uh, you know, being run down by a, a, a fast car. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't believe he, he towed that uh, thing all the way from Washington State to, to, to not be competitive. <laughs> 100 percent and to your point i mean he's been in multiple divisional final rounds over the last couple of years like multiple three four five it's yeah. it's not uncommon and it's funny you bring up jody lang too they both race in division six how mm-hmm. out of sorts does jody lang feel when they stage up beside each other like not only is he not the slower car which happens maybe five percent of the time for jody lang and stock eliminator he's giving chase by three plus seconds <laughs> uh, he, jody actually brought that up uh, when I interviewed him for the, for the championship last year, there was a round that, that he ran Derek and said it completely threw him off his game because it was uh, everything that he's not used to. And uh, as the, the things that you mentioned, uh, you know, timing, when to go on the two step and when and just the fact that, uh, you know, for, for probably the, the, the first time in years, he got a clean tree, you know, or, or you know, he he didn't have the, um, you know, the look that he wanted. And, sure. and it just. um bizarre you know I, I think you know you really have to think through those rounds and and that that's probably Derek Elam's biggest edge that um, he forces you to do something different than you normally would do no question all right so Jerry Emmons for Kevin Derek Elam for me we'll throw into class that is near and dear to my heart the 890 ranks super comp and I feel like the field here is this incredible mixture of some of the more prominent names in the category, as well as some younger racers, some newcomers, some some people that go about running the 890 index in a much different way, right? A lot of different strategies here, a lot of different types of cars, which actually isn't that common for Supercom. I think this mm-hmm. is going to be a lot of fun to watch. We've got Division One representative Joey Cambria, Ray Ray, Ray Miller III for Division Two. Zach Fisher will represent Division Three. Reigning NHRA World Champion Christopher Dodd represents Division Four. James Kunkel in his door car with the top end stop will represent mm-hmm. Division Five. Wade Archer is our Division Six rep. Val Torres for Division Seven. And the aforementioned blocker, Trevor Larson, last year's Super Comp champion. Um, I, I would assume smart money here would have to be Ray Ray or Christopher or maybe Trevor. Um, th- th- that's on you. I believe it's your pick. So uh, the, the floor is yours. Well, give me Vegas odds first. Uh, Vegas odds would probably favor uh, uh, the experienced drivers, which would be Trevor Larson, who's, you know, done just about everything uh, other than win a world championship. And, uh, and obviously Ray Miller, who has won a world championship and uh, uh, maybe cooled off a little bit this summer, but he certainly started the year off on a pretty decent hot streak. And, and I don't think either one of those guys, the uh, 
uh, the prospect of racing in front of a full house at the biggest event of the year um, w- would probably not bother them as much as maybe someone who hadn't been here before. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Trevor Larson over Christopher Dodd in last year's final. I remember Christopher making sick runs like he typically does in this event. Um, mm-hmm. He's another one. He's a younger racer, obviously, but no stranger to the pressure. I, I'm going to go that way. I, I'm, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a lot of faith in, in Christopher Dodd. I love – we've talked about this before, Kevin, I think, when we previewed the the, the – midway point of the NHRA sportsman season and how Ray Ray and Christopher both kind of stand out to me as guys that just not only win at a high level in, in one of, if not the most competitive categories in, in the, in the NHRA landscape, but the way that they go about it, like they are both subject to string together a complete box score that is nothing but double O lights. And that's not unheard of, but, very uncommon in yeah. pro tree racing in general. Like you don't have the advantage of a bump down. You've got races spread out over multiple days. Like they are both certified black and Decker tree wreckers in very good cars. They're very capable with the finish line. Like I think it's a coin flip between those two anytime if you're picking favorites, but I will go with Christopher Dodd. Well, and which, which makes perfect sense. Cause I think we saw last year, uh, his ability to deal with pressure you know, down the stretch, he, he, he had it on him every week and he just delivered time and time again to, uh, um, to convert into the championship. And uh, that, uh, that kind of shows you all you need to know. And he's also won the Jags All-Stars before. So uh, he's got that going for them. Um, you know, in our last category, you kind of took an emotional pick. You know what, I'm going to go ahead and do the same thing. Uh, I'm, I'm taking James Kunkel for the win. Uh, I, I just think that what he does... Um, is is cool you know again the, the, he, he proves there's always a better way uh, to build a better mousetrap um you know not everybody has the budget or the wherewithal to uh, to have a 180 mile an hour super comp or, or 170 mile or super gas car you don't need that to be competitive uh he, he proves it year after year no, and Kunk creates a significant problem basically for all the same reasons that Derek Elam does it's maybe not quite as exaggerated but you're in a door car, he's on a top end stop, goes 120-ish mile an hour. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I think it's safe to say everyone else in this field goes north of 170. So what you do, and, and James Kunkel is a very um, talented racer and can do, can, can uh, perform, execute any given strategy at any given time, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you're in a field here of mainly uh, racers that kind of hang their hat on their ability to, to excel at the finish line. Like ultimately I think that's what super comp's all about and whatever advantage these drivers would have over the average competitor in that regard is completely out the window because now it's a 50 plus mile an hour difference. And I don't care who you are. Like you're not going to do a good job at the finish line. It really comes if you're racing James Kunkel, it comes down to who has the better light and who has the better car. And Kunkel has proven time and time again that he's capable of going 90. Like, it's a tough draw. Right. And, and if you're waiting for the ladder to come out on Friday and you see that James Kunkel is your round one opponent, you have to change your entire game plan. Totally. Whatever, you, whatever you thought you were going to do on Friday at the All-Stars, you have to wad that up, throw it away, come up with a plan for him. And then if you're, happy, if you're lucky enough to survive, then you're faced with probably one or two more traditional races. Um, but, but, but it's definitely going to force you to, uh, 
to, to rethink everything that you're doing. Yeah. And it's, um, I don't, I don't, I don't care how good your super comp setup is. Cause I feel like I've had some good ones. There is an uneasy feeling of staging up feeling like, okay, I'm going to go 90 wide open. Like you just don't do it. You know? <laughs> well, and, 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 and the same point, James doesn't have to change his program because exactly. he's the same for almost everyone. Yep. Um, so, so he's, he's, he's probably got a game plan mapped out right now that he can use on Friday. The rest of the field does not have that option. All right, let's slow it down one second and go to the super gas ranks, which again, uh, a field littered with capable competitors, but not a ton of like standout household names here in the super gas category. We're going to, with one or two exceptions. Have, uh, Austin is going to be so upset with you for saying that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to exclude Austin from the conversation, obviously. I, I think well, I'll, I'll let you do the Vegas part, but I think it's it's hard not to have him as the on paper favorite. Just to go through the roster, Division One TC Smith, Rusty Cook, multi-time IHRA World Champion, represents Division Two. Bob Locke is our Division Three rep. Austin Williams represents Division Four. Jeremy Deemers in Division Five. Greg Here, Division Six. Mike Boehner will represent Division Seven, and Jeremy Basin comes in as last year's champion uh, as the blocker. I guess it's not just crystal clear easy to give Austin the overall favorite. Jeremy Mason is a, a former world champion, obviously the, the reigning champion of this event. Probably a, a little bit of a slight to him to just say this is obviously uh, Austin's favorite on, on paper, but uh, I'll let you be the Vegas odds guy. Uh, for, for sure. I mean, Austin would probably, again, rate a slim edge against the rest of the field. Uh, Jeremy Mason and would certainly be close behind. Uh, you, you like a guy like Rusty Cook that has kind of been around for quite a while, had done a lot, won in, in a, a number of different disciplines. Um, even, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Boehner, you know, he, he's kind of come on really strong here the last eight months to a year with, uh, you know, winning a national event last year. And, um, you know, and then again, you've got a Division Seven guy. Um, sometimes it's a little tricky when they come east, but, um you know, he's going to be able to make a couple runs today, maybe a couple tomorrow to, to sort of uh, deal with any any kind of issues he might have. So uh, I wouldn't count out a guy like that either. And I actually was not aware of this. I'm looking again at your column here. Our Division Six representative, Greg, here. Mm -hmm. Reverse throttle stop super gas car. Uh, yes, I'm not really familiar with the car, but right. um, that, that was some of the notes we got uh, from the division directors that said, yeah, he, he's a guy who... Uh, uses essentially the same approach that, uh, that Kunkel uses. Um, and we'll see if, if he can have the same, uh, same level of success. All right. So we established Austin and Mason as the, the Vegas favorites. Where, where is your pick going in super gas? I, I, I just, there's something about uh, uh, the, the events and, and the kind of sustained success that Rusty Cook has had that makes me lean that way. Um, and, and also 10 years ago, he won the Jags All-Stars. Again, that, that experience, even though it's been 10 years, I think counts for something to have been here before and know what to expect on race day. Uh, there, there's probably a value to that. You can't ever go wrong, but non-Rusty Cook, I've, I've watched, I've been to that puppet show, I've seen the strings. Uh, <laughs> right. with, with that said, if you're going to leave Austin Williams on the table, I'm going to snag him up. I will go Austin Williams in super gas. It will probably make your life a lot easier to uh, to have picked him and, and uh, support him. So uh, I, I will gladly <laughs> gladly allow you to have that. 
Austin always chimes in with like statistical uh, notes mm -hmm. for the podcast, but there's mm -hmm. never really been a, uh, you know, like, hey, you left me out. Maybe it's because I, yeah. I am pretty effusive of him in, mm -hmm. in my praise. Perhaps if I went a different direction, I would hear about it. But I don't know. <laughs> it might be worth trying once just to see what sort of reaction you get. <laughs> uh, I got to stay with my Texas brethren. Um, okay, so we talked about how in, in Super Gas, with a, with a few exceptions, not necessarily the, the, the biggest names in the category competing. In Super Street, uh, the polar opposite like everyone with with maybe one or two exceptions like everyone that you would think of okay like if i could have the the dream eight super street racers this is about it like this is a who's yeah. who of super street racing which i guess makes sense because this is divisional based and super street is at its heart a, a divisional category right not necessarily contested on the national stage i guess that makes sense but this is absolutely a who's who of the 1090 class headlined by Division one representative Brian Sawyer. Jacob Rutledge uh, represents Division two. Allison Prose for Division three. Ray Dew, the Division four rep. Jordan Pratt will represent Division five. Sean, Sa Sean Schaefer, longtime big dollar bracket racer from Idaho, uh, just got into Super Street, I think, last season and kind of ran over the Division six points for one, one it going away. Uh, he'll be the Division six rep. Ryan, I, I butcher Ryan's last name. Do you happen to have the pr pronunciation uh, on it? I, I believe it's Giacone. Okay, that's, Giacone. that's how I was where I was going to go. Yeah. He'll represent Division seven. And then last year's winner, Christopher Tice, uh, out of Division five, will be this year's blocker. Um, I think it's hard to pick among this very talented, very accomplished group, but who would be the, the Vegas favorite here? Um, probably Brian Sawyer. Yeah. I Just because so. he's got, excuse me, he's got, um, he's got a record of success and uh, division one is insane for the level of competition they have. <laughs> they probably have eight or 10 racers in that division that could easily be Jags all-stars. Yes. So, that probably gives him, uh, again, you know, a, a marginal edge, but uh, an edge nonetheless. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, I guess I lead off here, right? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm tempted to go with Schaefer. Like, I just love the bracket racing background. And I feel like he's – let's see if you can follow the logic here. Like, there is – Granted, I'm a little bit biased because I, I transitioned myself from the dollar bracket racing to, to NHRA racing. And I've been back and forth a couple of times as well. But I think there's something to the first couple of seasons NHRA racing when you've got that big dollar back, background. Like you just, there's something about the um, pinpoint precision of big dollar bracket racing and the aggressiveness necessary to be successful in that form of competition that carries over to NHRA because in, in NHRA competition, it is so easy to race not to lose, right? You, yeah. you're, mm -hmm. you're there for three days to run one round or to run one race. You've got a round that is 24 hours after your last time trial. It's so easy to fall into that trap of going, okay, just don't screw up. Bracket racers don't think that way. Bracket racers feel like, okay, you, you don't win by not screwing up. You win by, by doing a better job than your opponent, right? Than, than by sure. going out there and physically beat him. And it's a subtle but significant change in mindset. And I think, and, and I, would, I would attest to this personally, like when you begin to run NHRA races more exclusively, I think it's easier to kind of fall in that rut of going, okay, well, like I know what it takes to win this round in this situation. Like I, I don't have to be low double O here. 
And somebody like Sean Schaefer with their background, that thought never crosses their mind. Like I can be low double O, so I will. And I think there's a lot to that. Um, that said, that's not my pick. Um, <laughs> another Homer pick. I'm going Division Five. I'm going Jordan Pratt, young man that uh, has is a very accomplished racer as a former division five super comp champion and comes in on a hot streak. He just won super street at the divisional at Brainerd was then deep. Uh, I think he lost in the semifinals of super comp at the national event. So a little wave of confidence going into his first all-stars. I'll go with Jordan Pratt. All right. Fair enough. I am going to go with uh, Ray Dew division four. I think uh, there's a guy, I don't know exactly how many, but I believe he's won this race at least twice. Um, seems to uh, uh, get an invite here fairly often and I know has had some uh, decent success. So uh, uh, we're going to go that route. That dude goes 1090. Like it is going out of style, Kevin, like as a racer, I, I tend to almost disregard, like I don't try to scoreboard watch in super street because there's so many variables like wind affects those cars. They're slower. Like I usually can't put much faith in like dialing off of fast super street runs or slow super street runs for my combinations. But if I see Ray do not go 90, I need to pay attention to that. Like something's up. Yeah. All right. Um, top dragster, which top dragster at Indy, that's, that's a whole nother discussion. Like it is a spectator sport. I don't know what the, the logical bump would be. I think last year's bump was like slow 620s. Again, you can't go faster than 610. But for the purposes of this discussion, we'll keep it to the all-stars, uh, which I think with maybe one or two exceptions. These are all like fast cars that are likely to be qualified in the field. Uh, Al Kenny, former super comp division champion, or super comp world champion is your division one representative and top dragster reigning top dragster world champion and contender to do it again. Anthony Bertozzi will represent division two. Red hot Al Peevler is your division three representative. Uh, a man that's quickly becoming one of, if not the most versatile racers in the pits. Aaron Stanfield. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that Aaron Stanfield. He will represent Division 4 in Top Dragster. Bradley Johnson, who made that incredible run at the championship to come up one round short a year ago, will represent Division 5. Bernie Plord will represent Division 6. That's Brad's old man. I love Bernie. Mm -hmm. I ever has ever met Bernie loves Bernie. Mike Mendenhall will represent Division 7. And Cody Weber, as last year's champion, comes in as the blocker. Where would the Vegas odds land on this one? I assume it's Bertozzi. I, I would certainly think so. Yeah. But um, uh, I got you. I, I think top to bottom, top dragster probably is the deepest and most talented field of any of the ten eliminators here. Hard to uh, argue I, that. Yeah. I, I I don't think I don't see, you know, I don't see a weak link here at all. Um. So, so yes, I, I do think Anthony would be the favorite. Um. If you're looking for mine, I think Bradley Johnson is a guy who um, maybe hasn't done a whole lot this year, but what he did last year was was nothing short of amazing to win. What, what was it, seventeen straight rounds to to close the year and, and you know yeah, like barely. on demand. Like, hey, Bradley, yeah. the only way you're going to win the world championship is to win eighteen straight rounds or whatever it was, and he won seventeen. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and if you talk to Anthony, uh, Anthony had no idea who he was, didn't see him coming. You want to talk about the ultimate ambush? Um, you know, just, I, I had no idea that that this guy was even in contention until he was, you know, three rounds behind me at the last race. Um, and 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 again, you know, I don't think you can put a price tag on uh, being in that sort of a pressure situation. What it does to you, and uh, obviously, some people fold, some people rise to it. And uh, 
you know, once as Frank Holly always says, once you know how to win, you can win again. You know, you've proven to yourself you can do it. And I think that applies probably to a guy like Bradley Johnson, where, you know, if you want 17 straight rounds, is it really that much to ask for you to come here and win three on Friday? Good point. Good point. No, the, the, the way that you frame that story with, with Anthony makes me think of uh, Gary Stinnett telling the story of the year that Jack Beckman won the super comp title <laughs> sure. because Stinnett's telling me this and, and he's like, now that you got under and you, a you've, you've got to appreciate the storytelling of Gary Stinnett. Like I, I won't do this justice, <laughs> but you know, he says, this is, this is the time before, you know, the internet really, or certainly internet was, was predominant. And he says, so I left home and I had, my wife had made me printouts of, of everyone's points tally, you know, everybody that had a, a mathematical chance to catch me. And so I, I knew exactly what they needed to do. And, you know, he was leaving going to what Phoenix, Vegas, Pomona or something like that at the time. And he says, so after the first race, you know, I just had like three or four guys left. He says that this Beckman guy I'd never heard of, like I, I had crumpled up his page and thrown it in the trash, right? Like, I, who's this guy? And, and he's got to like win everything. Like, he's not going to catch me. Well, then he wins the, the next race and he wins the next race. And the next thing you know, Gary's digging through his trash and opening up his, his paper and like, okay, now this guy can win. And he ends up winning, right? That, that, <laughs> when you talk about uh, Anthony Rotosi and, and who's Bradley Johnson, that, that's the right, first right. thing that came to mind. Um, I wonder if Gary Stinnett would have felt different if, if, if you had a crystal ball and said, you know, that guy, before he's done, he's going to win 30 national events and a nice right. funny car. Well, it's so funny, funny now because everybody knows who Jack Beckman is, right? right At the right. time, like, this is Division yeah. 7 guy, right? Um, yes. All right, you, you – I had some notes here. You stole my pick. I was going Bradley Johnson as well. And that's, that's interesting that in such a talent laden, laden field, we were both going to lean the same direction. Um, I feel dumb leaving Anthony on the board, but I just have a feeling here. I, I'm going to go Aaron Stanfield. I just, at this point, Aaron doesn't need anything to, to solidify his legacy, but mm -hmm just imagine the storyline here like he comes in he's the reigning factory stock world champion he's won multiple events in pro stock and oh by the way not only is he the jegs all-stars representative in top dragster he wins the damn thing like that just feels like something that should happen i'll, I'll take aaron stanford well and here's the interesting thing obviously no one in the sport has ever tripled because other than this unique situation you can't mm. enter three events and aaron cannot run the eliminator because he's already entered in factory stock and pro stock. So, so, so he will not qualify. Uh, he, he will not double up in top dragster. We, we know that much for sure. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of unique things that happened here. I mean, he's, he's basically three rounds and done in that dragster. Um, and honestly, initially, I wasn't even 100% sure that what he was doing was legal. And of course, we find out it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, he, he cannot run the eliminator. So, uh, um, I mean, I think I don't really know whether that in any way affects his ability to win this, but but could, could you imagine the story if if he were to triple up or even come close to it, you know, no, to, to win factory stock and maybe go to the semis of pro stock? Uh, that, that <laughs> it, just think from a driver standpoint, the skill sets involved, how unique they are for each of those categories. And obviously, this is something that he does on an almost weekly basis. Like, it doesn't make it any less impressive, right? No. No, and, and I'm not sure, you know, driving those three very different cars, I'm not sure there's a lot that you, I mean, seat time is great, but I don't think there's a lot you take from one car to the next to the next. Right. It's, they, they all require a completely different mindset and driving style and, and 
um, you, you really need to, uh, to be able to switch it on and off pretty quickly. All right, top sportsman. Uh, so in top drags, I've got Aaron Stanfield, you've got Bradley Johnson. This top sportsman field, like every field, it's the Jake's All-Stars, right? It's stacked. Ron Regal will, rep will represent Division One. Doug Gaber, Division Two. Billy Thoman, Division Three. Bob Galetti will represent Division Four. Matt Driscoll, former Super Comp World Champion, represents Division Five. Robert Strom is the Division Six rep. Joe Rubicek for Division Seven. And Alan Firestone, as last year's champion, is the blocker out of Division Four. Where would the Vegas money be here? Mm. Tough, tough choice. Um, I, I would suppose Alan Firestone, just because of his his success here last year, um, and also being being the current leader, that that, that would seem to make the most sense. So I was going to say um, he's leading the world for twenty twenty one, right? Yes, he yeah. is. So. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I think it, actually it's probably uh, more obvious than I'm making it seem that, yeah, he, he, he would uh, absolutely be the favorite. Right, and it is my turn to pick first. Okay, so I'm torn here. Uh, a little bit of a podcast bump. Doug Gaber, because we butchered his name so many times, he actually mm -hmm. reached out to us to get it right. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and he's been on a tear, right? And, and, and I am... I am confident that although I don't think Doug has raced on this particular stage, I'm confident that he can perform on this stage. However, I know beyond the shadow of doubt that Matt Driscoll can perform on this stage. He's had a slow year in top sportsman. He came out mm -hmm. like last season was his, was his foray into top sportsman. And he basically didn't lose. I, I mean, he ran through Division Five and didn't attend a national event, if I'm not mistaken, but won like three points meets and was in mm -hmm. the final of another one. Uh, it, it's been a slower start to 2021, but I think that just means he's due. No stranger to pressure, no stranger to stepping up to a big stage. Uh, I'll go with Matt Driscoll. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I, I'm tempted to take Alan Firestone for the reasons we, we, we just discussed prior, but um, I think I will uh, kind of go off the board a little bit and take Ron Regal in Division One. Just for some reason, I, I look at him kind of—I I don't want to say unknown—but you know, if, if I'd asked you a half hour ago who finished number three in top sportsman last year, you, you know, you, you might not have gotten it. So, so I think he's been probably a little underrated. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, he's already won a points meet this year, so I, I think you know, yeah, you, you've got a guy that, that you know seems to have his program in order. And um, you know, no better time to prove it than, than here. All right. We don't spend a ton of time typically on this show detailing the alcohol classes. Mm -hmm. But we talked about this a little bit off air. And if you follow the alcohol classes at all, you're probably familiar with every name in the All-Stars. Like it is the who's who. It is the pinnacle of these classes. We'll just roll through them quickly. And keep in mind in the alcohol classes, they're broken up by regions. Uh, rather than necessarily divisions. So the point turning is a little bit different, but the roster in Top Alcohol Dragster, Jackie Frick, Dwayne Shields, Julie Natas, Mike, is it Butcher or Buker? Uh, it's Butcher. Butcher? Booker. Booker, mm -hmm. okay. James Stevens, Aaron Cooper, Sean Cowie, Joey Severance. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, who would... Let's see. So I got Dwayne Shields. We don't. 
they don't have either of the Myers sisters basically because of the change in, in the seat mid season, her mid points mm-hmm. earning season for the Jake's all-stars. Yes. yes. Uh, with that in mind is, would Jackie be the Vegas favorite here? Uh, Jackie would be close, but you know, I, I think you would expect that the Meyer team to throw the, their full weight behind Julie's car. True. Yep. Um, not that she doesn't get the, you know, the, the best of what they have to offer anyway, but, but when you're only focusing on one car for the day, um, you know, and, and she's obviously just came off her second win in Bowling Green. Um, uh, so I, I would probably tend to lean in that direction. Um, it is and, a scary she, thought to have all of that team's resources behind one car, right? Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Because if you remember last year, that, that is the car that went 509 twice. Right. Right. Here, here last year, I mean, it, it was it was ridiculously fast. So, so I think uh, Randy Meyer probably has an amazing amount of confidence in this track, um, uh, and, and I think Julie now in about her fourth season, like her driving seems like it's really come a long way. Um, you, you look at her results; they, they just seem to get better and better every year. I think you're on deck here. I'm going to let you have the first pick. Where are you going in top of all drives? You just said uh, for, for, for obvious reasons. I, w- I will take Julie. Okay. That leaves me with defending champion, Jackie Frick. Mm-hmm. I, I'm between Frick and Severance. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Joey Severance. Joey Severance. Only all stars on four occasions, correct? Uh, I believe so, yes. And of course, four time world champion. Yeah, four world championships can't be wrong. Give me Joey. Top alcohol, funny car. Dan Pomponino. Mm-hmm. I, I Pomponio. Pomponio. All right. Mm-hmm. DJ Cox, Chip Beverett, Ray Drew, not to be confused with Ray Dew, who we talked yes. about earlier. Bob mm-hmm. McCosh, Kyle Smith, Brian mm-hmm. Hout, and Chris Marshall. Who's the Vegas mm-hmm. favorite there? Well, well, first, let's talk about the cars that aren't here, right? Yeah. You, don't have, you don't have Sean Bellamere. You don't have reigning champ Doug Gordon. So, so, so there's two of the best cars in the country. Um, that, that aren't in here. That being said, you you still have quite, quite a bit of talent here. Um, it, How did those guys manage to not qualify for the All Stars? Is that a, uh, a, a well, result because, of where they're chasing points or? Yeah, I think, so. I think so. Because if you look at the alcohol points, they only take their best three regional finishes. Okay. Um, so and anyway, and it can be anywhere, and, and obviously the points are tabulated based on what you do in your home region. So it. it, it probably more so than the other classes uh, you have a deal where you, you could have a great season and, and win a world championship or finish high nationally, but not, not make the all-stars. Um, so uh, as far as the Vegas favorite, boy, it's uh, it, it's tough. I mean, Brian Howe's got a really good car, um, but I also like Chris Marshall. That, that, that's a car that can really put, put up some big numbers. Doesn't always do it consistently, but um, it, it's, you know that 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 could be a solid 540 car uh, which which is you know almost always enough to get the job done sure um all right am i first i'm first up in top alcohol drags right i will go give me brian funny car top okay. funny car sorry yeah mm-hmm. brian Howard. given his success his talents behind the wheel and the fact that he's got yanni Lindbergh helping him out like that's mm-hmm. that's that's gotta help right that's yes. a good guy to have in your corner. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and I am going to take a, a total shot in the dark here. And, you, you know, it's funny. two weeks ago in Brainerd, 
uh, Kyle Smith won his first national event. Now, granted, there were only three cars there. Right. So, uh, you know, and I, I personally don't feel like that diminishes things at all. You know, you, you keep that's out of your control. Sure. Um, you, know, you can only beat who's there, right? Yeah, he, he beat the two guys he needed to beat. But uh, that car went 549 in the final at Brainerd. Um, yeah, so and it, and it was not could, a fast Brainerd, right? <laughs> no, it, it was decent, but 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 not. Uh, I mean, I would it would stand to reason if you can go 549 at Brainerd based on the weather I'm seeing today, um, you ought to be able to run mid 40s here. Um, so, uh, you know, given that, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that that Bob McCosh and Kyle Smith are two guys within the last month have won their first mm -hmm. national events. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so if you're looking for somebody new to come in and, and, and certainly the class could use that to, you know the alcohol classes have taken a little bit of a beating lately um, I, I think it would be good to see someone new come in and, and win this event so that's, that's where I'm going alright one last prediction sure to go wrong how about a team champion among the sportsman classes this is something that uh geographically we all take a lot of pride in right it and it was it was years like wasn't it for the longest time division seven had never won this and then they won it and then i think for even longer division five of all places no, had never won no, it like, five five was for lack of a better term the, the ridiculed far and wide for, yeah for it was just having, within the last few having, years that they have never right? done it and and now they've won three of i believe the last seven um, <laughs> that feels and, about right i mean this yeah. should be pretty even right yeah, and when you look at what they bring, um, you know, go, go back and look through the roster. They, they, it, it is an incredibly deep and talented lineup. They, they uh, I'm not really sure what changed to bring the talent level up. Maybe it has something to do with the events like the doubleheader in Topeka where you've got to go through, you know, in Supercomp, you've got to win eight rounds. Uh, you know, again, maybe things like that force people to step their game up. But uh, five is really really become a powerhouse. Um, and, and I also think you have to look at, obviously division six is, is going to be a car down, not having a super stock rep uh, that, you know, obviously that digs you in a hole. I don't know if the effects of the hurricane have hurt division four. Um, I think pretty much everybody who was supposed to showed up, um, but to just figure that those are two things to maybe factor when you make your decision. Yeah, both good points. Like you could justify a lack of success perhaps from division six or seven just because of the travel involved. It never made much mm -hmm. sense to me that division five didn't have success at that event. I think that's just more an ab aberration. Granted, a lot of the division five events are at altitude, but that division is so spread out geographically and not just mm -hmm. geographically, like conditions wise, because what you race in at say they don't go to cordova anymore but earlville right mm -hmm. earlville in mid-september is probably about as good a conditions as fast as you're going to go just about anywhere in the country and juxtapose that with denver in yes. may or june topeka in august you know what i mean any, like, yeah. denver any time of year but yeah right <laughs> and so i just feel like that that crowd has more mechanical flexibility than probably any other division out of necessity. So mm -hmm. it never made sense to me that they couldn't come to a Joliet or an Indy and figure out the the, the right tune up, the appropriate dial and whatever. Like, I, I feel like that while they've been hot the last seven years, I feel like it's more of a, a, a cor correction to the mean, if you will. Right. Yeah, no, it, for, for sure.
I'm just looking through the list here. I, I made a handful of picks for this division. And I guess, see, I, I've been around, like I could claim Homerism and pick like four different divisions because I've lived in various ones and, and claim mm -hmm. various ones. But this year we claim division four. So I guess I, I'm familiar with these, like they're top of mind. But I look through the Division Four roster and like there's not a weak link. We get Jeffrey Miller, we get Jerry Emmons, Christopher Dodd, Austin Williams, Ray Dew, uh, Aaron Stanfield, and Bob Galitti. Give me those guys. Division Four. Yeah. Well, if, if you're going to play that card, I've in my life I have lived in every division but five and six. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, I moved around quite a bit when I was a kid, so. Um, but, but that, that being said, uh, I don't have particularly a favorite based on that. Um, I, I just, I, I'm going to go with, uh, with, with five, just, uh, uh, it's something I never thought I would say maybe three, four years ago, but, um, you know, again, we, we, we've just kind of highlighted their roster and, and the fact that, you know, they're bringing back, uh, three or four guys as blockers, which doesn't really, you know, the, Blocker, I'm not aware of, of an instance lately where a blocker has like thrown around for the good of the team. Uh, you know, it, historically it's happened, but I can't remember the last time mm -hmm. somebody somebody took an obvious dive. Um, it just it, it seems like the the prospect of winning this event again, the, the personal glory uh, and the ability to come back next year kind of supersedes the good you can do for the team. At yeah, least in the and I think everybody people. understands that coming in, right? For, by and yeah. large, right? Yeah, I mean, I suppose if, if, if it was, you know, the, the final round and the championship was on the line and mm -hmm. it was, you know, a, a Division 5 car against a Division 5 blocker, you, you could probably make a case to say, hey, look, this, this is 20 grand here, you know, and, and you get your share of it. <laughs> um, but, but again, I, I, I'd probably have to weigh that with, you know, again, the, the individual money, the ability to come back the following year, the chance if I'm still in the U.S. Nationals, you've got the chance to double up and win the double up bonus. Yeah. So, so really when you, when you start weighing that, the scale generally tips in favor of go race for the win. Yeah, no, it's an interesting situation. Like the only comparison that I've got personally was at Joliet one year. Um, I was actually in, in the regular national event was in the final of super comp and super gas. So I've got an opportunity to do something that not many people have done, right. But double mm -hmm. up and I, and I had never done it. And in the first final out was opposite Nick Folk who had won the all-stars who stood to want an extra win an extra five grand if he doubled. And I, I wanted to see Nick win that, but given what I was racing for, and what he was racing for, like, there was never a conversation to be had. Like, obviously, we're both right. going to go out there and, and try to win. And I think that's the way that the, the bulk of these would go. But there was, granted, like, Nick and I have an, have an, an interesting relationship. I think Nick has a, an interesting relationship with about everyone. Mm -hmm. So I was excited to see my win, like, come on. But I would be uh, untruthful if I didn't say there was a twinge of, ah, I, I would have <laughs> liked to see him get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. It's an interesting no, and, juxtaposition. And, and, and really, maybe blocker is the wrong term for that um, because mm. you, you're not really blocking. And in fact, maybe you should just take the blockers and form an eighth team. And if they happen to score the most points, Ooh. give them the big check. Yeah. You know, I, kinda, they, I think I like that. And, and they can just be the all-star, all-star team or, or whatever. You know, I'm sure we can come up with a more creative term than that. But, uh, you know, th th there's been times. I can tell you up here in the media center, occasionally we do a pool. And I think one year we had eight people that wanted to get in and said, you know what? 
we're just going to put, you know, we'll put the numbers one through seven and a half and we'll add a, a piece of paper with a B on it. And if you pull that, you get the blockers. And if they win the most rounds, it's all you. Okay. Um, you know what that team would be called is they wouldn't be the blockers and they wouldn't be mm -hmm. the all-stars. They would be the traders. Which you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, suppose, I, I suppose you would be betraying your home division. Um, but, you know, hey, uh, the, the, the people will do a lot worse than that for the chance to win five, six, seven grand. So, <laughs> Well said, well said. To yeah. recap, uh, Kevin's picks, sure to go wrong. Pete Dagnolo, Kyle Rizzoli, Jerry Emmons, James Kunkel, Rusty Cook, Ray Dew, Bradley Johnson, Ron Regal, Julie Natas, Kyle Smith, and Division 5. I went with Doug Ingalls, Ricky Decker, Derek Elam, Christopher Dodd, Austin Williams, Jordan Pratt, Aaron Stanfield, Matt Driscoll, Joey Severance, and I want to say Dylan Howe. What's his father's name? Right in front of me. Ryan. Ryan Howe. All right. And Division four so basically kevin this is the way this will go down if i get more of these right than you do i'll bring it up on next week's show if <laughs> yeah. not this will probably never it, be mentioned be again buried, yeah buried forever so yeah we'll, we'll see how this plays out kevin isn't it, isn't thank it you when you're a member isn't it great when you're a member of the media and you can control the message <laughs> yes are you, I, I are you, are you just learning this I, I love to be able to spin it i'm, I'm down with it oh uh, kevin you catch, you catch on quickly <laughs> Thank you again for taking some time out of your indie week for joining us here on the show. Appreciate your insights as always and uh, enjoy the big go, my friend. I, I am going to catch uh, some more wheel standing stalkers and enjoy this beautiful day and uh, uh, you enjoy as well. And uh, we'll talk soon. Good stuff. Thanks, Kevin. You bet. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, that's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Com. All right, I want to welcome back to the show. This is Bracket Racing's own Ashley Thompson. You guys have heard from her in the past, typically surrounding the thisisbracketracing.com driver series, and that's what we're here to discuss yet again today. Ashley, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So just as a refresher for our listeners, uh, whether it's a uh, first time or recurring listener, the this is bracketracing.com driver series uh, after a, a brief uh, entrance into this uh, last season. And when we, what do we have five or six tracks on board last season? Uh, we 
broaden this pretty significantly. It's, it's truly a, a nation or really a, a continent-wide series in 2021. We've got over 20 racetracks involved and we're giving racers an opportunity to compete for a national championship without having to leave the friendly confines of their home track. Ashley, is, I've tried to, to bestow all of the credit for this idea on you in the past. This is your brainchild. So uh, once again, thank you for putting this all together. The way that we're doing it this season, we are going to crown a national champion in both the top bulb category and the bottom bulb category. They will get $10,000 each, plus potentially a $2,500 bonus for a member of This Is Bracket Racing Elite. We've got a couple of members that are going to be vying for that. Um, and in addition to that top prize, thanks in large part to some help from our friends at JEGS, we're going to be awarding um, cash prizes to the second through 10th place finishers nationally in both categories. As we record this, it is the first day of September. There are a couple of tracks on the roster that are done, that, that, have, that have run all of their points uh, accumulating events. The majority of tracks have one, two, in some cases, three, in some cases more events remaining. I think it's safe to say that we're coming down to the wire here. We're getting down to the nitty gritty and it's a fun time to take a look at the national point standings and, 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 uh, see where we're at. Right. We're getting down to the nitty gritty with a couple races left and looking at bottom bulb specifically, I think the racer to, um, look at is Brian McGinnis. <laughs> He's won four out of the eight races, um, and they still have three races left. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with those last uh, few races. And um, Sean Nichols, not too far behind him. And then I think another thing to consider is we still have two races to drop. Um, so it's best six out of eight races. Um, and I think, you know, if you're in the top 20, like you have a shot of getting some money. Without question. So. And I think maybe even more so in the top ball, like if you're in the top 20, I think you still have a shot to win it. Bottom ball, to your point, Brian McGinnis, I don't want to say he's checked out, right? Like the, the opportunity, again, just to clarify how points are earned, each track selected eight dates. So those are the, the eight races that count for the driver series but we're going to take the best six of eight, right? So right. the opportunity to drop races, it adds a layer to this that could make it more interesting. But in Brian McGinnis's case, like, I think if I'm, if I'm uh, clear on what's going on at Bremerton, which is his home track, they have had two uh, driver series events rained out that they're going to be making up shortly. I believe that's coming in early October, um, but he's won four races. And they're not short rounded events. Like he's gotten 73 driver series of points for each win. So that's a seven round no box race. That's pretty much all that's available anywhere. He looks really, really strong to your point. Um, there are a handful of racers still in contention. We didn't think the last time that we talked about this, we didn't think anybody was going to best what Brad Hawk had put up at Tucson and he's won yeah. three races, but he's yeah. not in the driver's seat. Right. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's definitely also another contender to look for. And sure. he's in third place um, behind Sean Nichols. So, I mean, he still has two more races that he can, um, you know, win. And 
get up there. And then he's got a zero point race and a 10 point race. So if we would drop those, you know, it's not, he's not losing that much. Right, right. No, he's certainly got a shot. But to your point, I feel like it's going to take two final round appearances, maybe two wins at his last two events to get up there. I think what's cool looking at this is just take our top three, for example, that we just talked about. Brian McGinnis, home track, Bremerton Raceway, Washington State. Sean Nichols, home track, Lebanon Valley, New York State. And then Brad Hawk, who's down in the Southwest racing at Tucson. It truly is a nationwide series. And I'm sure that each of these guys and many more are keeping tabs on a weekly basis of not only what they're doing, but what, what each other is doing. Um, Ashley, I, I just kind of looked through the sheet here and, and we've said this before, a lot of familiar names uh, atop the, the bottom bulb category. And if you're just trying to project another racer that's uh, not much further down the standings, Benny Gossett sitting fourth, um, he's got two zeros to throw out. So that's not going to hurt him at all. Uh, he's racing at Abilene at Big Country Raceway and just at their last two races, got two wins. If you're familiar with Benny Gossett and his racing at all, that's no surprise. And he's got, I believe, one rain out left to improve. Like, I don't know that it's realistic to match what McGinnis has done, but he's got an opportunity once you throw away the races. Yeah, for sure. Uh, similarly with, with Brad Northrup down at, uh, out or up at Numidia, up in my case, Brad started off the season relatively slowly and has really come on strong. I believe that he's won, he's won the last three events at Numidia, right? Yep. He has. So uh, a number of familiar names, like I say, those, those names will all be getting something at the end of the year. I'm fairly certain in, in, in saying that they'll end up in the top 10. Um, but yeah, Brian McGinnis looks to be in the driver's seat of no box. That may be the jinx of all jinxes, but uh, <laughs> it, it, if you win four races and you only get to claim six out of eight, like that's pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a strong candidate for that $10,000. <laughs> let's uh, let's switch over to, the top ball ranks. And I think I thought this was interesting. Like this jumped out to me because a year ago when we initiated this program, now granted we only had six tracks involved, but both of our national champions hailed from Bremerton raceway in, in Washington. It was Kip pool off the bottom. It was Lane Savar off the top this year. It looks as though the two racers in the driver's seat also hail from Bremerton. I mean, what are the odds? And on the surface, you would say, oh, like you just got a couple of guys that are dominating. Well, it's not the same names. Last year, it's right. Lane Savar and Kip Poole. This year, it's Brian McGinnis on the bottom. It's Kurt Gross on the top. These are well-attended events. They're multi-rounds. How much of an anomaly is it that, you know, perhaps our first four champions all come from one facility? Yeah, I think that is awesome, um, especially, you know, Bremerton being so close to home for me sure. and knowing them personally. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think that. And it's funny looking back um, at the beginning of the season, Jordan and I in one of our live events were like, how many points do you think it's going to take to mm. win this event? And I was thinking, you know, maybe like 220 to 250, 260. And I think like they're gonna well, you know, go over that number. It may take um, 220 to finish in the top 10, at least yeah. in no box, right? Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting people to sweep like they have. Um, you know, especially when the tracks are just picking eight random dates. Mm -hmm. You know, like what are the chances on those, you know, specific days um they're gonna perform as well as they do? So yeah, it's been pretty cool to watch for sure. Well, 
Brian McGinnis's lead in No Box looks, I don't want to say insurmountable, but but strong, right? Really strong. Kurt Gross is in a good position in top ball, but I feel like this is much more wide open. Uh, to this point, Kurt Gross, again, racing at Bremerton, they've had two rainouts. So out of, what, five events, he has won two and runnered up one, um, putting together a massive total. He's, what, uh, 28 points ahead of second place Brandon Davis from Virginia, Virginia Motorsports Park at this point. But particularly when you figure in two races remaining plus two races to drop, I don't think Kurt Gross's lead is comfortable by any means. There are a number right. of racers in the top 20 that could absolutely make a run at this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, to your point, Brandon Davis, um, they've actually finished their races. I just am waiting for results from Virginia. But, um, you know, even if he throws out a zero and a 10 point, um, you know, he's at 170. But who knows what he did those last two races? I think there's a chance that he could, you know, pass Kurt. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And again, like not far behind Trip West from Ardmore and um, Dalton Rolls from Numidia. I mean, there's a lot of guys up there that are really close in points. Uh, it should be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, Trip West was one that really caught my eye because they've got like Ardmore is going to make up three rainout races in one weekend, I believe, coming up in yeah. October. That's a big opportunity for Trip West. He's got a win. And beyond that, just a, a slew of solid performances that have kind of set the foundation for him. Like if he was to have a big weekend, that could, uh, you know, you could really capitalize on that to the tune of $10,000, right? Right. Yep, for sure. I, I think this one, just given the, the points total, like Kurt Gross is at the top, but with 208 points, which kind of to your point, like even coming in and say like, that's probably not a total that's going to win. Now he's going to improve that number. I, I feel confident in yeah. that, but I feel like there are a dozen or more racers who could look at that and go, you know, I could get to two thirty here. And there are races yeah. remaining at, 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 at tracks involved in the series all across the country. Right. Yeah. And like you said, um, Ardmore has three races that they have to make up in October and then the other uh, track that has races to in October is um, Sacramento Raceway, the TNA Race Club series. Um, and I believe it's the same weekend, October 16th, 17th. Um, so looking at that, it looks like Cooper Chun is one of those racers who is, you know, up there, top 15, 20. Um, and he's got two zeros to throw out so if he just you know improves on those last four races um I actually think they just had a race last weekend um but you know he's got a chance to catapult his way up there too so so a good it's, finish. it's obviously going to be interesting there's no chance that we're going to have resolution to this before mid-October and there's a, a chance you know with weather rain outs like it could stretch even beyond that yeah. For our listeners and or for racers involved in the series, what is the best way to keep up with what's going on week to week here within the This Is Bracket Racing Driver Series? Yeah, I would say um, now that I'm, I've graduated school, I'm going to have more time weekly to update the points um, and weekly uh, Facebook Live with Jordan Pratt. Um, so I think that's going to be the best way. And I've said it a hundred times before, but email me <laughs> at Ashley at this bracket racing.com. And, 
um, for any points errors that you see. Um, but yeah, I think with the weekly, you know, updates, even, you know, sometimes I even up update multiple times a week, um, you know, as I get results in. So definitely the website and um, the Facebook Live. And we'll definitely have you back on here as well as we get closer to the conclusion of this, but perhaps uh, if it looks like that uh, October 15th to 17th is in fact going to be the determining factor, maybe that week we'll get back on and lay out, okay, here's exactly where we're at. Here's what has to happen at these events for uh, Racer X or Racer Y to, uh, to, to catapult into the lead. Ashley, Thank you so much for all that you do for this series and ultimately for our sport. Like this is something that I feel like sports and racing has needed for a long time. And, uh, and you have been a catalyst to make it all happen. So thank you for that. And thank you for being here as always. It is, it's good to see you. It's good to catch up and, uh, and kind of break down the potential scenarios here in the driver series. I'll put you on the spot before we go. I know that you are, uh, you're impartial, right? Given, you know, you, you are the points tabulator. I assume that the like the Vegas money is on Brian McGinnis and no box. Do you, do you have a prediction beyond that? Or do you think that Brian will end up winning this thing? Hey, you know, it's so close with like the throwouts and everything. Right. can get very interesting uh, very quickly. Yeah, I think those top four are going to, you know, definitely give Brian a run for his money. <laughs> um, ooh. It's hard to say. I don't know. Maybe Brian or Sean. Um, we'll see, though. I, I don't think I can, you know, pinpoint who it's going to be. Sure, sure. No, I'm putting your feet to the fire for sure. I, I don't think just glancing at this, and I haven't studied it really closely, I don't think anybody overtakes Brian. I would love to pay Brad Hawk an extra 2,500 bucks. He's, a, he's an elite member. I think he only joined because it looked like he was going to win this, but he is an elite member, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I am close, have been close all my life with Benny Gossett. Like I would love to see him win. I think it's a bit of a long shot given where we're at right now. Um, on the top bulb side, like I think you could pick any name out of the top 20 and it's, it's a realistic shot. Um, I think it would yeah. be cool personally if uh, if Stephanie Buston Nass were to get hot and she and her father were to finish one two. She has a win on the on the ledger and and they have a couple of rainouts to make up at Bremerton. Like it's not far fetched, right? Yeah, actually looking at it, it looks like Kurt's uh, runner up was to Stephanie's win. Oh, you got awesome. yeah! Like I didn't even catch that. If that's, that's the round cool. that ends up costing him the championship, like there's gonna that could be a family feud, right? Oh yeah, that could be a family feud, right? Yeah. <laughs> Any bold predictions for the top ball class? Um, you know, like you said, like any of the top twenty. Um, I'd love to see Ryan Schaefer. Like, I think that would be awesome. He's a door car who races, you know, in, at Woodburn, um, in Super Pro and Pro, and he's kind of been dominating in both. But um, you know, like you said, I think it's anyone's game right now. 100%. All right, Ashley, you did a really good job of being politically correct there and not really picking a, a, a champion in either category. So I can appreciate that given your position. Once again, great to see you. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, thanks for joining us here on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Working all week, trying to turn this 
Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.